Welcome to another episode of Appalachian Shine. It's the official podcast for the Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. I'm J.C. Swingruber, your usual host. And today we have a special guest sitting with us. Uh, we have Tammy Robinson-Smith, a uh, local writer. And uh, Tammy, how are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. Enjoying this uh, sunshine today, finally. I know, it's a good day to get out. So just uh, for reference, today is April 26th. Anybody uh, is listening? Um uh, later on in the, in the week or so, but uh, yeah, beautiful day. Um, we're here in these gorgeous, beautiful mountains. Now, Tammy, you're out of Bristol. Are you on the Virginia or Tennessee side? Bristol, Virginia. Been here for a while. I've moved away a few times, but I kept coming back, so I decided this must be the place I need to stay. Yeah, these mountains, uh, they, they do kind of call you back. I lived away for a long time, too, in Cincinnati, and um, there, there's really no place in the world like these comfortable little mountains that we just kind of nestle into and, and call our home. Um, you have a really interesting history, uh, Tammy. You're, you're a writer. Uh, you, have, you have a couple of books out on Amazon. But um, I was looking at your bio on uh, AppalachianAuthors.com because you're a member of the uh, Appalachian Authors Guild. Um, it said that you uh, used to have a boutique publishing company that specialized in women's fiction. Um, when did that come about? And tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, a long, long time ago, um, I was downsized from a job and decided to take that opportunity to uh, do something I'd been wanting to do for a while, which was to write creatively. And I um, started that. And along the way, um, somewhere in there, I, I always said I became the, an, an accidental publisher. I started a, um, a small company called Mountain Girl Press. And I published other women writers of Appalachian fiction. Uh, we did a couple of short story collections. I published, uh, I think, three other authors who wrote uh, the kind of stories I write, which is, you know, Appalachian fiction. And then from there, I got into um, actually publishing other people as well uh, through an imprint called Little Creek Books. And I kept that for about seven or eight years and sold it, um, sort of became a, a little bit bigger than I wanted to uh, do by myself. But uh, during the time I did it, I learned a lot and um, I enjoyed it. I got to meet a lot of really great people and published probably about 35 other authors during that time. Um, many of them right here in Appalachia, some away, and um, just really sort of uh, solidified my love for, for the written word, and, and like I said, had a lot of fun as well. It was a good time. So what motivated you to focus on uh, women's writers in Appalachia? Um, I felt like it was an underserved population at that time. This was back in 2005. And, um, you know, I had submitted to a, a couple of traditional publishers, but it, it seemed as if what I was writing was had such narrow focus. It wasn't, you know, a wide appeal because it was only, uh, it was, you know, based in Appalachia about uh, uh, characters who, in, in my mind, you know, grew up in Appalachia and, and, and was just a very narrow focus. So I felt like there had to be other women out there, uh, like myself, who were interested in writing that kind of thing. And and that's where it came out of it. And, and I wanted to write about um, 
and the Appalachian woman, the female character, the ones um, like my mom and like my aunts and, and the women in my family who were were strong and, and savvy and, and um, you know, just full of the wit and humor and, and strength. And, and, and that just appealed to me essentially, you know, because it was what I wrote myself, but um, because I felt like there were other women out there that probably wanted to write about those kind of characters, but might not necessarily fit with a, a larger traditional publisher. So you sold uh, your press in, uh, I think it was 2012. That's correct. And then you went to work at that point as a contract writer. Uh, tell a little bit about that. What kind of writing did you get into at that point? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I have done uh, throughout my career a little bit of, of everything. But, but since 2012, I've worked mainly with um, smaller um smaller businesses, um, some nonprofits, some individuals. I still do a lot of work with authors um, who are, you know, looking to increase their exposure, looking to market. Um, I've gotten to do some some fun things. I worked with um, a, a group based out of Abingdon that um, markets crafts um, around the region. So that was a lot of fun. Um and like I said, I guess working with authors is probably my favorite thing. I like to work with authors, especially those who publish with small presses or who are self-published, to help them um, learn how to find ways to publicize their work without um, a big budget because um, many of us, most of us don't have that. And I think over the years I've, I've picked up a few tricks of the trade about how um, – to bring attention to one's writing or to one's product um, without uh, spending that big budget. Maybe if you don't have those, those big bucks. Now you've actually done workshops on this in the past regionally. Is that right? Yes. Um, for Appalachian Authors Guild, I've actually done several workshops over the years. I, um, I'm also, um, well, actually I'm, this year I'm president of the Law State Writers Guild which is another writing guild uh, that's uh, local to this region. I've done a lot of workshops for them on marketing. And um, I, of course, now my mind's gone blank to the other places, but those are the uh, two places locally that I've done those kinds of workshops. And then, like I said, I do, I do that contract work, um, you know, with a lot of, of that, I, I work with individuals directly. Now, do you offer any kind of services like that for people who are looking to learn how to market their work through zoom where they can, um, subscribe and maybe not subscribe, but have you know pay for a seminar on a on a weekday or weekend to to learn how to mar better market their material. Yes, I was a little late to the party with Zoom um, this past year, but now I am quite uh, the convert and the champion of Zoom. I've worked with some clients over Zoom, and um, yes, that's. Really, there's, there's not a whole lot that I do that I can't do even um, when, when everything happened last year that I couldn't do by email or, or over the phone. But obviously, with Zoom, that has added a, a big component uh, to my work or to my ability to work with clients. Now, being a contract writer, did that include anything like ghostwriting for other writers or uh, writing blurbs for books? Um, well, I've done blurbs for books, but I've never 
really done anything as a ghostwriter unless you would count. I, I figure at this point I, I, I can't, I've lost count of how many um, uh, sort of marketing content types of things I've done or press releases. I don't know if that would count as ghostwriter. But um, as far as in the, in the true sense of a ghostwriter, I haven't really done that. But um, a lot of times I, I write things and then I'll turn around and see them in the newspaper or whatnot. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, they, they sent that press release in. And by golly, they, they used my words. <laughs> so that's always pretty nice. So being with the Law State Writers and other guilds and, and you know, working to promote other writers, are you seeing any kind of a kind of a growth or resurgence, especially with women fiction writers in Appalachia from both sides of the border there, Virginia, Tennessee? Yes. I'm, I'm, you know, being in both groups, I, I see it um, with the ones with the Appalachian Authors Guild and with Lost State writers. Um, there's a, a lot of uh, female writers out there who aren't just writing Appalachian fiction. You know, I see uh, a lot of cozy mystery writers or a lot of poets, you know, a lot just um, a, across the board. I think um, I think self-publishing has freed a lot of people's spirits. Um, it's always been that um, if you couldn't find a home with a traditional publisher, then there was really not a whole lot of different ways to get your work out there unless you entered contest or or if you were in a newsletter or, or your writing group decided to publish something. But with the, the advent of self-publishing, there's a lot of people, you know, male, uh, female and male writers both, who have found a way to express themselves. And, and I think that's great. I think it's, it's, uh, it's certainly wonderful for anyone who can land a publishing contract, and I applaud that. I applaud their tenacity. You know, I, I applaud their success, but there's a lot of people who have something to say that maybe doesn't exactly fit somewhere. And with having the opportunity um, to get it out there themselves, then I, I think that's great. If you want to, I, I think all writers should have a way to get their words out. So you got started getting your words out a little bit more forcefully, and I think uh, just a handful of years ago. Um, you kind of got back in tune with your more creative side, and That's you started correct. writing, an, I think, your first book, The Ivy Creek Sewing Circle? Yes, that's correct. Um, in 2019, I published The Ivy Creek Sewing Circle, which, um, in full disclosure, was a rewrite of a novel I had written several years ago. But, you know, sometimes after you sit on something for a while and you come back to it, you look at it and you say, whoa, you know, this... I would do this totally different if, if I were going to do it today. And that's what happened. So um, I revamped the cover. I retitled the book. I rewrote uh, quite a bit of the book. And uh, the second uh, version of it is called the Ivy Creek Sewing Circle. And I published that in late 2019. So I was able to get out a little bit with it, but not a whole lot. And hoping to the summer to maybe hit the road and be out there again. Can you tell us a little bit about the book without giving the whole story away? Sure, sure. It is a story about, um, well, it's narrated by a nine-year-old girl. And I say that this is um, Amy Beth's first brush with girl power. She watches what happens when 
um, a tragedy strikes her family and her mother's sewing circle who meets at her home every week at her mom's home or uh, their family home rather um, she watches that circle of women come to her mother's aid and help this their family through this tragedy um, involving her father and um, she sees what happens when really strong women set their mind to helping their friend through a crisis and she she narrates all of this for the reader and um, she she in her very naive way points out a lot of things that um, are much more mature maybe than she realizes but the reader is is in on it because we know she's a nine-year-old child we know uh, the things that she's seen and and what they may really mean um, and sometimes she gets that and sometimes she doesn't but the upswing of it is is she sees what happens when women um, decide to come together and help a friend through a, a rough period in their life and um, I, I really enjoyed writing it I it was a story that was very near and dear to me. It's set in 1972 in a small town in southwest Virginia. And um, it, it gives a glimpse of a young girl's point of view of what she sees women doing. And as a child, I was very much influenced by watching the women in my life and seeing how they handled crisis or seeing how they helped each other through uh, things that they were going through in their lives. And my work as I continue it is I hope um, to show maybe different stages in, in women's lives and how they relate to the, the women of their community, of their tribe, and, and how they, they get through things. And it's not always a crisis. It's not always something bad. Hopefully I will write some things where good things happen. <laughs> What I was going to ask was um, this uh, based on in like the strong women in your family. Did you use them as a as kind of like the base of those characters? Most definitely. My mother um, had four sisters, and they were they had a, a tight bond because well, there were actually ten children in the family, um, but their mother died when there were seven children left at home under the age of eighteen. So. My mom and her sisters had a very close bond, and the older sisters kind of helped to mother the younger sisters. And then as, as they grew up, um, you know, they, they were still very close as they became young women and married and moved away. And it was just, um, it was just a kind of a cool thing to watch as a child. I, a lot of that soaked in. I, I always was, was envious of that. I think that would be. A neat thing and now there's um, my mother unfortunately passed away um, about 10 years ago and there's only one sister left of, of those five sisters but I still cherish the times I get to talk to her and when she tells me things about when my mother was younger or, or things you know my mom was a great storyteller she was very funny I mean she just had a sense of humor that could just break down the, the most sour person in the world. She was just really funny. And, um, and she related a lot of stories to me. And that, 
I guess is what um, sparked a love of telling stories for me, in addition to a love of reading. Reading is, you know, all writers, I think, were readers to start with, and I love to read. <laughs> oh, I, I, with you there, I read everything I get my hands on. Um, you know, and I did kind of, you know, I've said this before, and and probably a dozen times on this podcast, and, you know, uh, for those that are listening, sorry if I seem so repetitive, but the important, there, Appalachian writers and artists in general, but writers specifically, are so vital to who we are because you help define who we are as a people and a culture. And that's that's the vision the outside world gets to see. And I know there are a lot of people have problems no matter where you're from. You can be from California, L.A., New York, or Central Appalachia and have the same problems. But there is, because the culture is so unique and different here, we have such a powerful voice in exploring those problems from angles that maybe others don't, that maybe in poverty in other places, but in Appalachia, it's sometimes it's a way of life. It's not just caught up in one generation, it's caught up in multiple generations. Or a town that has experienced poverty or they don't know what life is like in 2021 that doesn't still feel like the Great Depression. You know, there are pockets uh, here and those voices that we can get, and you know, specifically women's voices too, because you're the crux of the household. You know, the, the teachers of the, you know, the next generation and, and, and raising, raising children to be strong. Um, you know, it's really vital and important that those voices get out there as much as possible and that's one reason why I encourage anybody who has amazing family memory, memories or maybe not so amazing family memories, write them down, pass them on to the next generation. Because not only will people in the future, your kids or grandkids love to read what grandma or grandpa thought or mom or dad thought, but 50 years from now, they're going to understand the culture a little better than maybe people think they do in present day especially when you get books like Hillbilly Elegy that come out that may have been a good book, but it really misrepresents people here, I think, in a, in a, in a bad, bad way. Absolutely. And that was another reason that I created Mountain Girl Press when I did is because I wanted to be a voice about the good things that happen here. We, you know, there's enough out there about poor old Appalachian, how downtrodden we yeah. are, but there's not, I didn't feel like at that time, and, and maybe not even now, there's enough out there that celebrates our unique culture, um, celebrates their storytelling, which maybe happens in other cultures, but it is especially important, I think, in this culture, or it was in my family, and it seems to be in, in a lot of other families that I've observed, and just the fact that we've had to be strong because we have been um, in a way, you know, pushed aside by the rest of Southern culture. You know, we're kind of like this little pocket. We're not really Southerners, you know. I mean, we are, but we're not like other Southerners. This is, we're, we're very different. And, and that always kind of bothers me when people say, oh, you're from the South. Well, I am from the South, but I'm from Appalachia. And honey, let me tell you, that's a whole different thing. It really is. And, yeah. you know, we are unique. And if we don't toot our own horns, so to speak, I really don't think anyone else is going yeah. to. And I, I think that a lot of people don't realize 
the beauty here. They don't realize, uh, you know, not just the, the writing, but uh, the craftsmen that are here. I mean, you can go back in these little hills and hollers and find people who create some of the most beautiful artwork that, that you will ever see. You know, something that's as beautiful as you would see in a museum that celebrates art but not celebrated in that way because it's back in a little hill or hollow. Yeah, because it's Appalachia. They don't sell, you know, that's, that's, that's the stereotype. That's, that's the cross that we bear as a culture. But, you know, at the same time, it gives us an opportunity to kind of not want to try to fit in, in a way. (laughs) And I think that is a beautiful thing too, because it, it it helps us preserve who we are. And the crafts, like you mentioned, we had a member of our guild uh, by the name of, um, uh, Fred, who passed away just a while back, Fred Powers, a uh, really, really great man. He was a storyteller also, and he would go in full regalia dressed in um, like mining clothes from the 1930s and 40s, and he would tell stories about working in the coal mines, and he would go into schools and do this, and this was really fascinating for people to get a glimpse of 50, 60 years ago. But his wife was also a craftsmaker, and she would go to some of these functions with him, and she would make toys that kids played with during the pioneer days of Appalachia, the early days of Appalachia exploration, which I thought was absolutely fascinating. So um, not only can you go to Toys R Us or, or wherever you want to go and buy all these crazy expensive toys with virtual reality, but you can go to a festival next week and uh, and learn how Appalachian children, pioneer children, I mean, even if you don't want to say Appalachian, just say pioneer children. Daniel Boone and those those children uh, that explored through this region and expanded westward. If it weren't for us, all the rest of that wouldn't have happened, you know. Absolutely. And it's and uh, so I'm I'm so glad that we we have a lot of vibe growing, you know, vibrant writers in the region. And thanks so much for for what you do uh, to promote those voices. You did have another book uh, coming home to Jewel Hollow. It was a short story. That's a short story, and um, I have several short stories I, I want to compile um, and put in a collection. I love to write short stories. I, I just, I don't know, there's something about a short story, maybe because because they're short. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but I've always liked to read short stories, and I like to write them. And um, I do intend, after I get my next novel out, I intend to compile some of those short stories I published that one um, just to, you know, put a little something else out there that I've done so people would have more than uh, the one novel to to read or see if they liked what uh, they read in um, the Ivy Creek Sewing Circle. So it's out there, but I will eventually incorporate it into a short story collection. So when can we expect the next book? The next book I'm hoping will be ready uh, later this summer or fall, and it is called Didema's Garden. It's about a woman in a different um, time period in her life. Actually, it's about two women, one in uh, her golden years, the other a young woman. And there's a connection between the two that um, they don't know about, but they eventually find. And... um, there's a missing baby in there as a little bit of a mystery and uh, a lost connection to family. But in the end, of course, we, we bring it all back together. 
Didema's garden uh, refers to the fact that Didema, the older lady in the story, loves her flowers. She grows flowers and produce and sells them in a stand, um, she and her sister. And fun fact, Didema is actually my great-grandmother's name. I've never heard it anywhere else, but I've always thought it was um, really pretty. I don't know if, if I'd had a daughter, maybe I would have used it. I'm not sure. Um, but um, don't have daughters, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> but, uh, we just have boys. Um, so anyway, I, I was just always fascinated by her name. And, and for some reason, she seemed to fit her name seemed to fit the character. So I've used that. And um, the love of flowers is something that really all the women in my family have always loved to work in their flowers and grow plants. And so um, that works into the story as well. Well, that's great. So um, where can people find your, your books at? Um, on Amazon. Um, that's um, where um, everything is right now. I also have a website, TammyRobinsonSmith.com, um, but that link takes you to Amazon. But people, I mean, if they for some reason would want an autographed copy or, or something of that sort, they can always email me, which is info at TammyRobinsonSmith.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. All right. Well, that's great. Um, I'll certainly, uh, when we uh, post up the podcast on our foundation uh, Facebook page, I'll make sure we put the link up to your uh, uh, Facebook page as well on your website so people can find you. I know it's been tough going with people trying to get festivals and things going. Things are kind of getting a little bit back to normal this year. Do you have anything like that coming up? Um, actually, I will be doing um, the Writer's Day at the Virginia Highlands Festival. And I think that, I believe, is July 30th. It's a Saturday. I'll be there for that day. And I, um, I've been looking over some, some places, um, you know, some of the ones that are coming up um, to do sales, and, and I probably will do that. And when I do, I'll, I'll have that on my Facebook page and um, my website. And um, let's see, I'll be speaking at the, uh, our uh, Appalachian Authors Guild this month as well. Uh, but that will be about content editing. Not so much about my books, but I'll be there. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be there that day, too, so I certainly appreciate it. Tammy, thanks for uh, doing the podcast with us. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, come back anytime, especially when you have your next book come out. We'll we'll I come back on and will. talk about it. Thank you, and thank you for what you're doing. I think anything to make people aware of what's going on here in Appalachia, I'm all for it. So I appreciate what you're doing as well. All right. Thanks so much. You have a great day, Tammy. And right, for those of you out there, um, uh, make sure you check her out on Amazon.com. It's uh, Ivy Creek Sewing Circle and Coming Home to Jewel Hollow. And uh, also check her out on Facebook. Thanks again for tuning in to Appalachian Shine. Uh, you can find us on Facebook also at Facebook.com forward slash Support Appalachia or SupportAppalachia.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on down the road.